0: Things are not great. They are blue. Hmm. They, said we, they said, we said we couldn't be here. So look here, so look,
1: her. so look her. the Blues, take it over. Two on one, so the shoot score.
0: Welcome back to the Blues Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Jason, along with Chris. Hey! Hey, and uh, we got our voices back. Yes, took a couple days. Took a couple days. Uh, so, were your
1: ears ringing Wednesday morning or Tuesday uh, morning?
0: Yes. Bobby, when? Yeah, yeah, whatever day it was, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, of course, we're talking about, obviously, Game 7. Uh, luckily, me and Chris are able to attend. And spoiler alert, probably the greatest game I've ever attended.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, people were telling me that during the game, and uh, I've been lucky enough to be at a couple of Game 7s. I've been lucky enough to be at games where the Blues have swept series, and I've been at games where the Blues have eliminated opponents. And I would say that before this game, the best game I was ever at personally was probably a tie between the triple overtime win in game one against Chicago in the first round, just because of how long that game went. Uh, and then obviously the sweep in 93 when the Blues were the eight seed and took out Chicago in four straight. Um, those were probably a tie for the best games I've ever been to in person. Um, but this game, this game seven against Dallas was – like watching a heavyweight boxing match with mm-hmm. two guys just standing in the middle of the ring and exchanging punches. Nobody wanted to be the first one to have their knees buckle. It was everything from a hockey purist game that you want. Like, I know that people are going "Oh, go, I wish there would have been more goals and this and that, but like. No, As someone who has loved the game of hockey, this was everything you wanted.
0: Yeah, agreed. Like, um, like me, I was you know, you know you saw me most of the game where I was just buckled over and just stressed out most of the game. In the uh, oh yeah, yeah, I was uh, I was a wreck. Pretty, I would say ninety nine percent of that game. So, so uh, uh, like I said, from the beginning of everything. We'll get into the whole experience of that, but we'll rewind and talk of. About the rest of the series so we mm-hmm. last time i came to you it was evened up it was two to two coming back to st louis uh kind of feeling good about how the you know, last couple games didn't go exactly the way the blues wanted they split the road they split their home let's uh let's do this thing didn't go that way
1: no they not at mu- all
0: yeah they pretty much uh played all the
1: yeah, they yeah i mean they
0: played it, really bad it was, it was a close... I mean, the score makes it seem a lot closer than it actually was, probably. Agreed. I, yeah, mean, I we
1: were, 100% agree.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, let's also say that Ben Bishop played really well on top of that. Let's, yeah, I'm not taking anything away from him. Yeah. Um, you know, Spezza scored early in the first, and then yeah. the, Blues, the Blues came out flying, and then Dallas came down and literally had one opportunity and scored. Mm-hmm. So, it was, it was a little... It took the uh, wind out of everybody's sail. But then... uh Second period comes around, same thing. Blues are playing pretty decent, but then Essa Lindell gets a goal. So you're yep. like, even worse is Essa Lindell. So,
1: yeah, that sucked.
0: Yeah. So later on, um, in the third period, the Blues get lucky, and uh, Ben Bishop misplays the puck, gives it right to Jaden Schwartz, who beats him. So unassisted goal of Schwartz at the seventh of the uh, playoffs. Have him, mind you had only eleven goals in almost uh, over almost sixty games, and he mm-hmm. has seven. spoiler he gets more later in the series. So, but the blues just, you just can't get anything going. The power play is God awful still putrid,
1: putrid. And, and, you know, let's go ahead and talk about it. Now the end of the second period, the blues finish a power play that, um, if memory serves, they spent a good 90 seconds of it trying to get out of the neutral zone. Uh, and they got booed loudly. Yeah, uh,
0: once again, again, the, uh, controversy from the fans, like, should you boo your team came up, which was, uh, sorry, you guys were really bad. It was
1: bad. It it was look, man. And again, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be a season ticket holder and I've been to all the playoff games the way I described it, because you're right. It erupted all over social media on should you boo or not is, um, you know, even in game Three against Winnipeg, Winnipeg hung six on the blues that game, Mm -hmm. but nobody booed. And the difference was you could see the blues hustle. You could see the blues trying and putting forth the effort. Right. And that's going to happen. Like no rational, reasonable hockey fan is going to believe that you're going to sweep every series. Mm-hmm. The difference between that game and game five against the stars was the blues showed no sense of urgency, no sense of, I don't want to say desperation because it wasn't a desperate game, but there was no sense of, Hey man, let's, let's win this and make it easier on us. And, and that for me that's where my frustration comes out. And that's when I start booing. I don't care if you lose, but dude, try. At mm-hmm. least let me be able to see that you are trying. Like th- what the way I put it was there were so many defensive mistakes that never got fixed throughout the game. Mm-hmm. So many times the blues turned over the puck and led to either odd man rushes or full on breakaways from Dallas that had it not been for Jordan Bennington, that game could have easily been five or six to one easily. Um, They looked terrible, terrible in that game. They didn't deserve to win and they obviously didn't win. Dallas took home ice advantage away and went to Dallas with a chance to close out the blues in game six.
0: Yeah. And so, how will the Blues come out and respond in game six? And the answer is pretty good. So, fantastic. Yeah. Petrangelo gets a goal just 63 seconds in. Uh, one of the second fastest goal in Blues playoff history to start a game. Just a shot and a point. Nice screen and fun by Maroon. Uh, we'll talk about him a lot in the next game. Uh, Petrangelo is second. Uh, unfortunately, Sagan ties it up on a power play, which Bennington almost gets this mm-hmm. squeaks between his legs, just barely um, on the power play. So Sagan starting to heat up gets his fourth, but later in the second period, David Braun, he says after the game, he didn't even, he didn't know he hit, actually scored here.
1: Really? Yeah, I he said that,
0: that he, Yeah. He said that he basically knew that Sunquist was going to have a pass cross. So he just had a stick right where he thought the puck was going to be. And it just hit his stick in the right spot. Basically it's better to be lucky than good sometimes. Yeah. So people were talking the three guys that need to step up. This game was, uh, Petrangelo Perron and, uh, O'Reilly. So I think O'Reilly had a very good game all around. And then, uh, he kind of contributed later on here. So let's talk about the, uh, I guess controversial goal, which, uh, from by Dallas, from Dallas's standards, at least. Right. Jaden Schwartz gets his eighth from Steen and Preco. Mm-hmm. So Preko uh, kills Bishop right in the face or close to the face his collarbone yeah. with a shot and Bishop goes down like Hard. sniper sniper shot down. Yeah. He's down and right away, steam get crowd the puck immediately and threw it back in front and Schwartz deflected it into the goal and from the time it hit Bishop's shoulder to the puck went in the net was four seconds. Yes. So it's not like we're talking He you down for 10, 15, 20, 30 seconds. I agree. Four seconds. Um, the goal counts because you have if the team maintains possession, even if a player is down, the opposite team maintains the possession to play still so continues until the team with their injured player or the ref or under the ref's discretion, too. The ref can blow the whistle if he thinks it's injured enough, but it was four seconds, so he didn't have a chance to either blow the whistle or well, didn't think he warranted it.
1: If you watch the replay of that, of that goal, as the play develops, you can see the referee on the goal line, start to skate towards Bishop, and he has his whistle in his mouth. I think had that play gone on another second or two, he would have blown the play dead. Mm -hmm. But you see it. He puts his whistle to his mouth, and as he puts his whistle to his mouth, the goal gets scored, and he immediately takes the whistle out and points to the goal to signify a good goal. It's hockey, man. How many times have we seen – defenders or forwards or you know it, and in a couple of cases goalies go down with an injury and play continues it's it's just the game yeah. and you know had this been the other way around and had it been Bennington that had gone down and Dallas had scored Dallas fans would be you know bitching if it had been called dead yeah. so you know Jason I know you played sports I played sports growing up and through college as well one of the first things that your coaches teach you when it comes to playing a game is you keep playing until you hear the whistle. yep. That's um, one of, because one if of you main don't, you get taught. if you don't, that is how you get hurt. If you start pulling up, you're gonna get nailed by someone else who's not gonna pull up. So you know, you, Dallas fans can't be mad at Alexander Steen. They can't be mad at Schwartz or anybody else. Even the Dallas players kept playing. Because there was no whistle, and if yeah, there's no stops. whistle, yeah, if there's no whistle, you keep playing.
0: Yeah, Jim Montgomery as well also uh, said like, "Hey, that's the rule," and you know, like, it's a good goal. Like, there's nothing we can do about it. So he was, you know, very, you know, he, he didn't show any anger at least to the media. So I mean, he was very at least, you know, I, guess, I didn't, didn't I say realize. political about it, but I mean, he was, you know, he would, but he seemed genuine when he said he didn't say it, like,
1: no, know, I think he was sincere. Yeah. I didn't realize that Bishop had such a reputation for flopping.
0: Yeah. Cause I mean, uh, there's a couple times during the series when he got close, he kind of like fell down and that's kind of, uh, you know, we talk about Essa Lindell, you know, earlier in the thing. And then he really didn't have a reputation, but apparently Bishop does. And I, really didn't, rea- like, I didn't, didn't realize, I didn't realize until later in the series and kind of a lot of online talk about it and saying how bad he was and people posting clips of him in the past on Tampa and early in Dallas and stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting that, to see that, you know, and I, I admit, like, some people are like, I lost respect for Bishop and all the flopping he does after I think he was
1: legitimately hurt.
0: I think in this time he's legit hurt, but there's a couple other times where he kind of, like, over-exaggerated a bit, you know, trying to get the call. But, you know, I guess I guess every every goalie or every person, you know, some people do it too much. Some people pick their time to do it, you know. I don't know. But I agree. Uh, one coaching change during this thing, uh, Robbie Fabry's out. Sammy, Sammy Blay is in. It wasn't played since early March. He had an ankle injury and came back and has been a healthy scratch since then. And he pays dividends. He's on the line with, uh, O'Reilly and Perron and Blay gets a goal about 30 seconds after the Jaden Schwartz goal. And you could tell, uh, Bishop wasn't right. And yeah. I, the- honestly,
1: I'm surprised he stayed in.
0: And then this goal goes in at the eight minute mark of the uh, third period. Two notes about this. He immediately came out after this. He literally skated straight to the bench after this. Yes, or almost straight to the bench. But the thing that made me an- annoyed about it, the play was: there's a the Blues broke up a play at their blue line, and O'Reilly sprung Belay on a partial break, and Belay just fires a slap shot past uh, Bishop, and O'Reilly's with him, and O'Reilly kind of and Bishop is out past the paint, cutting yes. cut the angle off. So. O'Reilly skates not really close to him, but I didn't lo- I don't know if you caught this on the replay where Bishop puts his stick out and tries to trip O'Reilly as he goes past.
1: Yeah, I've seen it. Um yeah, that's a little I mean, come on, man. Like
0: that was that's the other thing too. Was, that was the you thing think I'm that more was I lost respect to. I a hundred percent think it was intentional. Because it wasn't just you had your stick there and he like kicked it. It was like he purposely had his stick, turned at the with the blade to make it fatter and it went right for his ankles.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll have to watch it again because the first the first couple times I saw it, like, I, and you're right, he definitely does kind of take a swipe. But I wasn't sure if that was so much him taking a swipe at O'Reilly or as much as it was like him just being upset and you know acting out in general. Either way, you're right. It, you know, if he had made contact with O'Reilly, that would have been a really shitty call. Um, but I, I think that. You know, he was uh, – my thought was he was more upset with himself for staying in and allowing the Blues to get another goal.
0: Yeah. So, let the Blues take this one 4-1 to one, go to a pivotal Game 7 at home. So, Blues come home. Atmosphere is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, we get down there super early, and it's just everybody's hyped, nervous, name it. It's, it's you know, pretty insane to start the game. Uh, Charles Glenn sings the anthem, you know, so that's kind of a lot say things with him retiring. It's kind of like, I was kind of like, if this is the end, like at least I get to see Charles Glenn last time doing this, you know? Right. So I was kind of ex- I was kind of like, you know, okay, he's doing it. That's great. Um, Blues start off pretty decent. I think had a good push the start. Dallas comes back a little bit. Um, Vince Dunn starts off the scoring because first, but the shot from the point, nice scream. I thought Maroon might've gotten this. I, I thought replay, he did. Like, I watched replay like six times. And it looks like it, but I think it's I think it just hits the it mostly hits the bar, it looks like it doesn't hit his stick at all. It yeah. looks like it doesn't change directions. Uh so done for Petrangelo and Thomas, who kept just keeps his puck in the zone and probably had his best game as a pro. Um mm-hmm. week I I couldn't I couldn't tell you how many times I me and you turned to each other like, man, he's gonna be good. Robert the, Thomas,
1: this entire series. It started in the Winnipeg series, but in this series <coughs>
0: Probably the best board. Probably the last three games.
1: He game is five, six, and seven. Hands down, uh, the guy who kept the puck in the offensive zone on numerous rushes. Not only in this game, but all series long. Mm-hmm. There were so many times where you thought Dallas had, had gotten control of the puck and was going to clear the zone, and out of nowhere, here comes Robert Thomas, either back checking and getting the puck. Ob- away from Dallas or just flat out beating him to a spot or whatever, or stick handling his way between three defenders, whatever the case may be. That kid is going to be so damn good in three to five years. Holy crap, Jason. Holy yeah. crap. Like as good as Ryan O'Reilly is right now. And I'll tell you, I know everyone thought I was stupid for being excited about Tyler Bozak, but he's been great too. Mm-hmm. This kid's going to eclipse both of them.
0: Yeah, 100 uh, percent agree. I think that those, the like Maroon said, he gave props to Bozak and, and Thomas for giving him an extra spark. Like, cause I think I think the I don't not blaming Mike Yo man, but I don't think Yo and Maroon got along.
1: I don't think Yo's system worked for what Pat Maroon does, and, and I don't think that we can say that Yo was the problem with the Blues. But I don't think Yo was helping the situation.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Side note with Mike Yo, he was hired as an assistant up in Philadelphia. So for Elaine Vigneault's staff. So he's back at NHL. But uh, back to this game. So an unfortunate bounce here. Uh, Me and you were at this end, so we got to see this really close. Uh, David Prong gets control of the puck, and instead of pushing up the boards where he had some space, but he had defensemen in between him and the blue line, decides to spin it back to his defense, and it
1: winds up hitting the ref. It was probably in the wrong spot, in my opinion. This happened a few times this game, where pucks went off the ref skates, but yeah. this one was costly. Yeah, it hits off
0: the ref skate, the back of the cage, and uh, mind you, during this whole play, Jordan Benton lost his stick because Dallas had a little bit of pressure, and Matt Zuccarello bangs it home <laughs> unassisted, his fourth goal. Uh, so tied up, and uh, little, you know, Blues, you know, nothing you can do about that. It's all in the rules. It's playable yeah. off the uh, referee skate. So, hey man,
1: it, you know it's it's the it's the controversial goal from Game Six all over again. The rules are what they are, and that's what that's what in my in my head I was kind of like that's
0: the hockey gods even it up. In my opinion, that's like yeah. okay, that's kind like, of like how things are going to work. Things are evened up now, so a tense couple periods, but at, to a degree tense, but not tense. I, I don't want to say not tense, but the Blues, mind you, during this time period, outshoot in the second period outshoot the stars 18 to 1 and in the third period 13 to 3.
1: It reminds me of game 6 against Winnipeg where the blues locked it down. Yeah, 16 to 1 in that one. So very similar and and the thing is with
0: Bennington, when they had these three shots they weren't just like tricklers on net where you know it was nothing they were high danger shots. Yeah. At least, at least half of these four shots. I mean, it's kind of crazy to say, but two of these four were like <clears> on <throat> breaks, or one guy went for a wraparound and Rope yep. almost buried it. Good old rope. Yeah. So, which was, uh, he uh, actually came out today. He had a broken foot.
1: Oh, it foot didn't surprise him. me. When they yeah. were trying to say that it was, what was it? It was just precautionary for something? Yeah, like, yeah he was in a boot. You don't wear uh, a walking boot as a precaution. Like, you knew that he was hurt. Yeah. So, did they overtime. ever come out and say anything if Bishop was actually hurt? Nothing was reported today.
0: Uh, they had a couple of guys injured. They said Matt Zuccarello, he, remember he broke his wrist when he, he literally got acquired. They said the tendons were still. He was getting a shot in his wrist every game right. to the play. And there's somebody else who had a uh, injury, too, but I don't remember who it was exactly. So I know Robay Hints was the one they met, they mentioned for sure. Um, so overtime comes, and it's pretty even, actually. Like Yes. They don't, Dallas wakes up and has uh, Jamie Ben nearly ends it on a wraparound. Boy know, did he. And luckily, if he actually got it on the short side instead of the puck going more towards the middle of the net, where it hits uh Bennington's pad, he probably would have ended it. Because that's the one thing I noticed on Bennington. His his like wraparounds on side to side, he kind of has the Jake Allen kind of like he's not quick. That yeah. could be just like, a goalie thing, for all I know. I just noticed it with Jake Allen I noticed it with Jordan Bennington. That's like his one thing where I'm like He's pretty. He's not great going when they have a quick wrap around. He's slow going side to side. Yeah, but I'm not going to bitch about Jordan Bateson because the dude's Dude. been flat out amazing. So first overtime comes, the Blues barely outshoot them, eleven to ten.
1: Uh, it second opened overtime up comes, quite a bit. It, it really yeah. opened up. And what you and I both noticed was, <clears throat> I would say, the third period on, we were we were watching Thunderdome. Uh, the, it became very apparent that the refs were not going to call a penalty and make that the reason that this game ended or, you know, either in regulation or in overtime, they were Mm going to let them play because there were a handful of times where both the blues and the stars just tackled people. Mm-hmm. uh and there was no call so you knew that the message had been sent all right oh or, you know okay boys you guys go out there and win it and do it yourself we're not gonna we're not gonna stop anyone from doing anything short of you taking off your skate and stabbing somebody
0: yeah so it's pretty much uh and the blues did finish this game with no penalties which uh shocking only the, only the third time i think it was their fourth time in angel history where a game that's went double overtime and a team has not had a penalty the whole game yeah so in the first time since this, I think the 70s, I believe. So second overtime happens, and the hometown kid not well, only let's talk about that. All the, go ahead.
1: Two minutes before that, Colton Pareko damn near ends it for Dallas.
0: Yeah, tries to put it behind the net and uh, kind of misses, <laughs> and shoots basically only on net instead of behind the net. I mean, he put it off the post. Yeah, it, it was a close one to say the least. And then there's a scramble after that, and then. Uh, nearly put in on the other side. Luckily, uh, he recovered enough to uh, get the puck out. And then after an icing play, the Blues come down to the other end and a face-off win by Tyler Bozak. A
1: brilliant set play, by the way. If you Mm -hmm. haven't pulled up the clip yet, uh, NHL Network broke down this play and explained Mm -hmm. how it's set up and how it works and did it brilliantly. Because what they explained was, if you look at that face-off, Bozak's in the center as he usually is, but uh Thomas and Maroon both switch sides to their off wing, meaning that the blues mentality for that play was not win the face-off back and set up, but win the face-off and push forward for offense.
0: Yeah. So they yeah, I saw the same video today. It's only a two-minute video too, where they they showed this play that it actually did probably four or five times this whole playoffs. But the play they usually did was Thomas gets it and throws it towards the front of the net for a tip. Right. That was usually the play, but he changed his thing completely because of what John Klingberg did. Face office one, Thomas picks the puck up from behind Bozak does a curl play along the right hand boards and Klingberg blocks the boards instead of in the past, Thomas goes against the boards, then throws the puck in front. Thomas makes a beautiful a toe drag play and kind of uses Maroon as a pick. Yep. Gets around Maroon, takes a shot and it hits the post beats Bishop cleanly, but it hits off his back. And i like the video pointed out, which I did not even notice all the times I watched it. If Bishop went lean backwards, he might've covered that puck up, but he was I afraid agreed. of knocking it in. So he sure. leaned forward forward, which le- leads Pat Maroon to have a wide open net and Miro Heiskanen is not quick enough to get over there. Yep. And he bangs it home. Game seven on May seventh for the Blues seventh home playoff game that starts at seven o'clock. The Blues win and also it is Pat Maroon's towel night for number seven. Wins the game, hometown kid. Pandemonium happens. Me and you had a guy behind us jump into our arms. Yes. And nearly we nearly go flying into the next row and guys are guys who we know who sit in front of us for the. Uh, season tickets they catch us and we're all hugging and stuff and you're high-fiving everybody um i posted a numerous videos i took as fast as i could i tried to just soak in the moment just because it's such a cool thing to be a part of but you know i just want to also kind of show people you know what it was like to be there at least um
1: it's the loudest i've ever heard this the arena i mean my my ears were ringing that night and they mm-hmm. were still ringing the next morning and i've been to some loud concerts in that arena but mm-hmm. this this was way bigger Yep. So Maroon from uh, Thomas <clears throat> and Brozac to win it at the
0: 550 mark. And uh, Maroon is your first star. Bennington is second, and Bishop is third. Uh, Bishop finishes with 53 saves, and it's incredible, I mean, incredible. Like that's, um, I firmly believe this series would have been a shorter series. It would not for Ben Bishop. Uh, he oh, one hundred percent. He nearly stole this game. I can know for sure he still he stole game five. And if we go back and look at some other games, I know there's a couple games where he lets some maybe weaker goals in. But he came back in those losses and played really, really well.
1: I would say that he stole game two and game five and damn near game seven.
0: Yeah. So props to Ben Bishop, another hometown kid. I don't know if you saw the um
1: With the flag picture. in the background? It's yeah, brilliant. the St. Louis
0: yeah. flag with uh, Bishop and uh, Maroon embracing in the line. So that's yeah. uh, a very cool picture that's been making the rounds. Um, so Blue's going to move on. And we did find out late last night that the San Jose Sharks hold on to beat the Colorado Avalanche. Three to two. So the Blues get to go to San Jose starting Saturday at so 7 o'clock.
1: Let's talk about this for a minute because, yet again, the Sharks move on on the heels of a very controversial call.
0: Technically correct call, unfortunately. The way the rules are written, just like the Bishop thing, you cannot, we can make the argument. So the play was uh, – let's just say I, I can't remember exactly how Colorado scores a goal. to tied at two to two. Um, Gabriel Landeskog is not part of the play. He's changing, but his both his skates are still on the ice when he's changing at the bench. But he's in the offensive zone before the puck is brought in. Uh, so after video review, it's unfortunately, even though he's not part of the play, the puck wasn't even remotely close to him. He this wasn't is, interfering with anybody. He wasn't doing yeah. anything to affect the goal or affect the play. any anyway, since he was in, there, in that zone, and it's not even too many men or anything, that's why, I,
1: that's why I think it's bullshit. Correct. If you're not going to count towards the men on the ice, like if, if they have deemed that you are not part of the play, then it shouldn't matter if your foot is on the ice. Either you're part of the play or you're not. And if yeah. you're not part of the play, then you're not part of the play. Yeah. Um, that,
0: that's I, 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 I kind of see that rule might get rewritten.
1: I think it needs to be because, you know, if he's part of the play, then they should have been whistled for too many men on the ice. But if he's not part of the play because of the reasons we just said, then it shouldn't count for him being offside. He's obviously not making any move towards trying to get the puck. He's he's literally standing there waiting to be able to get into the bench. So I don't know, man. Me, I would be pissed if it was me and this was my team and it cost us a goal. Um, I get the letter of the law is the letter of the law. I think it's a flawed rule. And mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think it's something that needs to be addressed because, it, you know, again, it, it this costs Colorado the game. If this goal stands, Colorado wins the game four to three.
0: Or, yeah, at least they, or at least has the game tied. At least has the game tied because right after this play, within a couple minutes, Sharks come down and get a goal and make it three to one. And then in the third period, they come back and make a three or two, but can't do anything. So with the bare minimum, you're thinking it's at least three to three, right? Yeah. Yep. So then it's up to the overtime and see what could happen. Um, yeah. It's interesting between that. And then also it's weird how there's been two very controversial plays. And then with the sharks, the first round number with um, Joe Pavelski getting hurt. Oh yeah. So then they had the five minute power play. And then that, remember those aren't reviewable. Like the Penalties aren't reviewable, so that's, that's there's two things that come out of the, both the shark series that might come up in the summertime to be re, be reviewed. This rule with the uh, player that's not involved in the play, yep. and possibly reviewing major penalties, Or you know yep. because at the end of the day, that was you know, like I said, for the the Golden Knights, rewinding to that series, you still have to stop them on the power play. It's not like you get a five minute because four, four goals. I agree, but at the same time it is a big momentum shift. And I, and these people might say there's no such thing as
1: momentum. I think there oh, is. Oh, uh, people who say there's no such thing as momentum have never been to a playoff game and watched it happen.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, that's what one of that's what Jim Montgomery, the coach of the, uh, Dallas stars said. he's like, whoever can impose their will versus more, how you get the momentum in a game, not carrying yeah. it from game to game well, to each his own. I think there is something to do with that. So, so a couple more game seven notes we'll talk about just really, really quick. So, um, a lot of videos came out after this, afterwards, which I love what the blues are doing is props to the blues social media and digital team for doing like these behind the scenes kind of uh videos and such. Uh one was after Maroon scored, and talk about Maroon and his uh you know, him and his son. And I showed him his son just like bawling and the thing. His son was just like overwhelmed with emotion in the stands. Yeah you because know, that's why he came back, man. At the end of the day, that's his big thing. He came back for his son more than anything that he took the pay cut, you know. Um, so that's something I thought was as being a dad, especially that was something that I thought was really special. Um, and also, uh, had a little bit of celebrity, I guess, status celebrities in the building. John Hamm was in the building and did, uh, met the players after the game and stuff. And they showed him in the stands at least two or three times. Yes. My knowledge He one time when they were trying to get the crowd pumped up, he realized he was on screen and started getting the crowd pumped up, which was cool. He doesn't have to do that. He could just sit there and just wave and Mind his own business, but
1: they showed yeah. a couple more St. Louis celebrities that did video things for us. Like they showed, uh, um, what's his name? uh Is it Andy Cohen?
0: Andy Cohen was on the screen showing "Let's Go Blues." Um, yep. uh Jenna Fisher from The Office, the which Office. I, uh, was my favorite show. So she yep. they showed her getting pumped up, and doing the Let's crowd Go up Blues. and stuff. Yes, yeah, so her doing "Let's Go Blues" and stuff. So and I then John it, that
1: Ham, was, John Ham was in the building.
0: Yeah, so a little cool that they kind of had something a little bit of celebrity to, uh, you know kind of make things a little special and i thought it was cool so yeah of course yeah and then i had that and then i like i don't know if i'm sure you saw the video two videos i'm going to mention before we move on the kerber and vitality video yeah um just showing two th- two things i'm gonna the, like just the pure just fan and 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 vitality and kerber just how excited they got you know like It just shows, like, even though you're that's your job. Their job is to call the game, and sure, you know you're supposed to call the. It's for the Blues' own network and stuff like that. Not own network, but you know the the Blues hired them or whoever hired the Blues. You know, you got obviously gonna be a little bit homerish, but just like like Vitaly, the way he reacted, it was just like how we all reacted, and I just thought that was something kind of like really cool. Agreed. And um, I just like Kerber when he was. After the goal happened, he stand up doing his announcement, and he's looking at Vitali. And I know it's his first season, kind of doing things, so he's directing him like, "Hey, let the like let the crowd noise, let that come over the broadcast, and let." And then he pointed yeah. to him to do the call. And I thought Vitali had a really good job of talking. Agreed. about You know, Maroon. He did say Maroon playing floor hockey in his basement. I wish he said floor hockey in Maplewood because that would have just. I lost my mind. That that would that'd be a clip I'm for, would forever put on his podcast. Yes. So, um, but it's still pretty great. So. Once again, so now we might have to ch- we well, I think we'll always keep it, but we might have to add floor hockey and now St. Louis Blues legend uh, Pat Maroon. So he is a uh, David Freeze status. Um, I was just
1: going to say, do you think this puts him in David Freeze status?
0: mean, don't me wrong. David I Freez think Freeze is a little
1: higher because Freeze was in a World Series.
0: Yeah, don't me wrong, but this it, we're not going to jinx anything. But we, we'll see how things go. If this is a stepping stone to something bigger, this it might be, be bigger, you know, depending on how things go. Yeah. So. Uh, I'll wrap up all our game seven stuff. So like I said, uh, really great game, really great. Uh, you know, just something to be a part of. something I'll remember for a really, really long time. Uh,
1: Speaking on the announcing side of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you watched Twitter throughout this series and especially after game seven. Um, it's always funny to me to pay attention to both teams fans and how, if you talk to St. Louis fans, the NBC team is so pro-Dallas, and Mm -hmm. if you talk to Dallas fans, the NBC team is so pro-St. Louis. You know, I think we take for granted that for, you know, let's say 80 out of 80, or 75 out of 82 games a year, you get a local broadcast team, be it, you know, the Fox Sports guys or the Camel X guys or whoever. And they are obviously very St. Louis. Yeah, pro-home team, yeah. So it it always astounds me and makes me laugh that when you watch a game on a national network where they are being called by a supposed-to-be nonpartisan professional broadcaster, everyone automatically assumes that the team wants the other team to win. And Uh, it's like, no, guys, like... This is how nonpartisan works. Like they're going to talk about both teams. It's sort of like how people in St. Louis, I don't know if you've ever picked up on this people on St. Louis, Aaron St. Louis hate when Joe Buck calls a baseball game, like during the World to, Yeah. When
0: yeah, they <laughs> call on it, he's yeah. It's always like, oh he, hates, oh, he hates the,
1: uh, he's not his dad. He's not his dad. Well, <laughs> His dad was employed by the St. Louis Cardinals. Yes, he did a handful of national games, but Jack Buck chose to stay in St. Louis and and, and be St. Louis's broadcaster. Joe Buck is a national broadcaster. He's not supposed to show bias. Now, if you ask Joe Buck off off you know duty, who his favorite team is, he will tell you it's the St. Louis Cardinals. Mm-hmm. But he can't let that influence his job. And, and that's the thing, you know, like, when you when you watch these sportscasts, you know, it doesn't matter who's doing it. A great example was um, Sirius XM does, for big events like this, will air both teams' broadcasts, and they will also have an independent national broadcast. Kelly Chase was part of that team for game seven. Mm -hmm. That is not the Kelly Chase that we're used to listening to. If you can find clips of him calling that game, he is very subdued, very even keel and calling it down the middle because that's what he was hired to do. And there's not a damn person in this world who doesn't realize that Kelly Chase bleeds the deepest shade of blue that there is on this planet. But he was hired to be a national commentator for that game, and he had to be unbiased. And I thought he did a great job.
0: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I thought it's, it's always funny because like, everybody like you, I go text some friends complaining about something that happened, and you know, and you're just like, you try to watch impartially, but you know, that's all you're going to be. You're always thinking everybody's against your team. And I think, especially in St. Louis, I think that's, uh, I think that's kind of like a chip on everybody's shoulder. You're always like, everybody's against us type thing. And I think that's Hell kind yeah. of working. I think that's working for the blues right now. Honestly, I think they, it is, uh, right now for the next series, Little segue for, uh, the blues playing San Jose right now from everything that I've seen, uh, most of the athletic writers picked San Jose and ESPN
1: was about 65% San Jose.
0: Okay. I didn't see theirs today before I went doing <clears through throat> my notes here, but, uh, uh, and but I will say
1: that everybody from ESPN picked the series to go six or seven games. I think the majority of them, all but like four picked it to go seven and the people who didn't pick it to go seven picked it to go six.
0: Yeah. So the blues don't have a uh, home ice this time,
1: so which I don't have, think that's uh, a bad thing.
0: Yeah. They played, but they've been playing better on the road. They're five and one in, on the road right now. So they're, in, they're three and four at home. So yeah. we'll see what they uh, see what happens. So, um, this series, so they start Saturday. They had to kind of delay because I think both buildings have concerts. So the blues would have had to play back-to-back games. They would have played Saturday and Sunday from what the rumor was going around because on Friday is the share concert. And then no, no, no. In uh, St. Louis That's oh. at the blues hosted. Okay. Uh, I think there is a concert in San Jose. Some of one of these times, uh, but it's on, on one of the off days. So it's not a big deal. But they would have a problem in St. Louis because on Friday was Cher and on Monday is Tool. Oh, that's right. So it would have been, uh, they would have to, the rumor was it would be the first back to back game since 2014. Wow. So in the playoffs, at least. Uh, so San Jose does have uh, uh, the leading goal scorer and the leading point uh, getter in the playoffs of Logan Couture with nine goals and 14 points, uh, and also the leading assist getter in Eric Carlson with 12. Um, Martin Jones seems to kind of play better since, uh, kind of faltering in the first series against the, uh, Vegas golden Knights. Mm-hmm. Uh, he seems to be playing. Okay. Um, I think that's where the blues have a clear advantage. In my opinion, I think that, I think if they can get to Martin Jones, I think they can easily, not easily, but I think this series becomes more winnable. If you get, if Martin Jones regresses to kind of how he was during the season where he had a, like I said, he had Jake Allen numbers, and he's not that far from what Jake Allen had. He barely had a he had a point nine zero six save percentage for most of the right. season. he was under ninety for most of the season, you know. So, and they still had a you know they still their high scoring team. That's the thing. That's why they were winning games. So, if you can stop uh, some of their guys, the the, the narrative right now is well, we got one one for Joe Thornton. So, I, I, a lot a lot of St. Louis fans are not happy about that.
1: Do you have the uh, uh, do you have the cuss word beat button handy? Uh yeah,
0: yeah, we can be it. We'll see what happens.
1: Fuck Joe Thornton.
0: Yeah, that's correct. So um yeah, he is uh, and uh, admittedly on the I think it was I want to say Pierre LeBron wrote an article for The Athletic today. I don't know if you saw that, where he was talking about how all these ex player ex sharks players, ex players that play with Joe Thornton say he's the best guy and he wants they want the win him to win one and like he had a chance. He had two thousand sixteen. He's been to two other conference finals and so he's on try number four. Yeah. But your time has passed. You and your stupid gray beard. Like
1: yeah, I just I'm never ready been a for, fan. I think that he is, I'm not going to call him a dirty player, but I'm not going to say that he's, he deals in very dark shades of gray.
0: Yeah. I mean, let's, I mean, the the hit on Perron always sticks out to me that he only got two games for that. And yeah. so at 90, 92 games away from David Perron's career. Yes. You know, um, I really hope that narrative comes back and David Perron sticks it to him this series. I truly do. Uh, that would I be agree. my ultimate, like, series-winning goal, some of that time it's David Perron, to, like, kill Joe Thornton's
1: well, Stanley Cup dream. to that end, can, l- let me reference something that happened in Game 7 that you and I talked about when it happened was, do you think that, um, I can't remember if it was Zuccarello or if it was Rangelov, when they went in and then slid into Bennington, do you think that was a run at Bennington, or do you think that was honestly he lost his edge? Uh, it was Radulov, and I watched. Uh,
0: I recorded it, and then it was on the replay. Was on the next day on Show Network, so I was able to kind of I caught that part because that was one of the things I kind of made notes of to look at. It looks like he lost an edge. Like live, it looks like he just went barreling in, and it looks like I agree. Dunn, Vince Dunn kind of gave him a little push. I think I say it's fifty fifty. I like I think I think he was like, hey, if I get a chance to if I barrel into him and score, great. If I you know, if I don't score and I barrel into him, great. Or, you know, I'm just going for the thing and we'll see what happens. Uh, it's, I'm in between. It kind of looks, one one angle, it looks like he's going straight for him. The other angle, it looks like Vince Dunn kind of gives him a little nudge to the ground.
1: Because my first thought when that happened was, if we're going to play this game, someone better go right after Ben Bishop's knees.
0: Yeah. Cause, uh, yeah. The, in the game seven, too, it was well, a slight rewind here. It wasn't overly like, Physical or, like, a lot of stuff after the plays, the no, blues are very careful. Very yeah. careful. Um, a couple of times, like, the Blues like, – a couple of times they hug. you know, got somebody in a headlock or something like that, but nothing more than that. Right. No, no punching, no whatever. There's a couple of times where they kind of, like, got together, but nothing bad happened because I think a lot of players didn't want to do something to put their team down a man, especially for yeah. the Blues, you I know, because, you know, the Blues, you know, even though they got two power plays out of it. Um, didn't, didn't capitalize, but still – you uh they didn't want to get down a man and it worked out great so
1: yeah that's i think the blues need to continue to play disciplined hockey against san jose you know the one thing that i remember from 2016 and it still holds through true even with this season and in the years that have followed that is uh especially on the power play joe pavelski is a blues killer
0: Mm -hmm. and he uh, had a goal came back in game seven and the uh avalanche series and scored the first goal and was in on, I think two of the three goals. So uh, key is I think to definitely stop that top line and Logan Couture and company, their defense is very active, just like uh, at least least most of their defense is active. They're kind of like, I think they're definitely deeper than Dallas, but I also think the blues still match up well, but I don't think they're as fast as Dallas. If that makes sense. I agree. Uh, I think they can still match up pretty well. It's going to be another close series. We're not? It's not. I don't, just like I know we predicted, you said, that Dow, you said the Blues in five against Dallas. I said the Blues in six. So we were, at least got the team right, which is great. Yep. Uh, but we didn't get the games right. So since we have to do it, because we'll, people like that. So I guess we'll do our prediction for this series. So the Blues, Western Conference Finals against the San Jose Sharks, a rematch of the 2016 series where the Blues lost in six. Um, that team, I think, was out of steam in 2016 after – they were very they tired. were super tired after going uh, games uh, two series game 7s um, when they blew leads one the the that, the Chicago one they had 3 to 1 lead and nearly lost it in game 7 yeah. and then they had 3 to 2 lead in Dallas and nearly lost it in game 7 so i think those couple extra games they played really wore them down um hopefully you know this one went 7 but the last game went 6 uh, San Jose has played two seven game series so. Yes,
1: and and you know, I think to that end, I was going to say this in mine as well. I know it's only one game difference, but you look at all the emotion and all the effort that that team put in to climb back from three one down against Vegas. You know, they they coughed up a series lead against Colorado and had to go and win it in seven last night. I uh, you know I think that there could be a very similar situation to what happened to the blues in 2016, where I think at some point this team, the, and by this team, I mean, the sharks is going, are they going to hit a wall?
0: Yep. And then just, when is it going to happen? Uh, reading some of the breakdowns on, especially the athletic had a really good breakdown talking like how the blues, how the blues have star players underperform, which we've talked about. We think O'Reilly has sure. been hurt, you know, but uh, sure. he said today he's feeling fine. He said he was really tired after the, after the game seven, but he's like, but you wake up and realize you're still in the playing hockey. This is the most hockey he said he's played in his career. But at the same time, like I'm still in it for the Stanley cup and that's what I want. So that keeps you going. So, I mean, I, like I said, I still think he's hurt, (laughs) but at the same time, uh, I think hopefully that adrenaline will override all that. And I think this team is Craig Brube is hitting all the right buttons. He's made the right changes, substitute defenseman at the right time, change forwards at the right time. Like I said, Sammy Blay coming in and had nine hits in game, uh, six had eight in game seven, yep. had the goal in game six. Um he is playing well. You know, I think he just he's hitting all the right notes and this team is, you know, playing for each other for the first time. And I think, you know, they you know they can they can get something here. This is like we talked about this is the most wide open this is the this is one of the best chances honestly they've had. Even if, you know, I'll include two thousand sixteen where I think that was still gonna be a tough uh we were playing the Pittsburgh penguins in two thousand sixteen who we were really good they a, they're a role that's that playoffs yeah. you're playing, you're have a kind of wide open thing. I think Boston is still a really good team. My Carolina's playing lights out right now. Yes. And speaking of they're winning right now, two to one.
1: Yes, they are in the second. Yep. So I, um, uh, I equated it to this, Jason, and, and maybe you'll agree. And if not, I would love to hear what your comparison is. Someone asked me today, if I'm starting to believe that this is the year. And I said, you know, I don't know if I'm there yet, but Mm -hmm. as opposed to years past, you know, 2016, the Blues were a a good team all year. And in years past, we've had teams that have been dominant through the regular season and just the wheels fall off in the playoffs and they don't get as far as you think they could or should. Whereas this year, because the team was so bad the first half of the season, you know, they they really turned it around, obviously, and, and and made the surge of the playoffs, but they were supposed to beat the Jets and they played great against the Jets. And then, you know, Dallas's speed was supposed to be too much for the blues to keep up with, and, and we beat them. I kind of feel like um Jake Taylor from the movie Major League, where they're sitting in the locker room and he just kind of sits there and looks at the other players and goes, Well. I guess there's only one thing left to do now win the whole damn thing and you know, the blues are playing with house money and right now, like why not the blues? Why not? This team is playing with zero expectations on their shoulders. No one expected them to be here. No one expected them to get this far. Everyone keeps thinking that this is going to be the round they lose. So They're going out, and they're playing with, like, obviously the pressure on themselves to perform. But literally, there are no national expectations on this team. So why the hell not? Why can't this be St. Louis this year?
0: Yeah, and I also think that, um, and that mentality, too, mixed in with that is also, like, like we're not supposed to be here, so we're the underdogs. Like we're kind of like how Carolina's kind of treating it, like the bunch of jerks thing. I think they right. have that going for them. I think the Blues got the Gloria, like the like, hey, like here's our thing, you know. And I think that's gonna it's carrying them right now. Like, can it keep carrying them? I hope so. Like, it. I really think they still match up well. I think uh, they've played San Jose three times a season. San Jose has not seen J- uh, Jordan Bennington yet. They've played. They've seen. Chad Johnson twice and um, Jake Allen once. They and the Blues, have, um, two of those three games were on back to backs. Yeah. So you're talking the Blues are tired. They got shut out one time and then they also shut the Sharks out one time and then they lost three to two in March and that was right. That was like right during our run. That was one of the few losses we had. And That was also a back to back game. So I mean, they're they're roll. I mean, they got a really good chance here. So at the end of the day, prediction time. So the Blues. Don't have home ice, which at this at, – with right now, I really don't care. No matter who I they play, either. I think, I think it, that to me that for the first time in any playoff I can remember, I truly don't care about home ice. In the past, I was always so like, hey, we got to get home ice. we got to get that central division title. We have to do this. And Ken Hitchcock was really, you know, preachy on that. And I think that's what maybe wore teams down in the past. Yeah. Um, I think Craig like Brube is hitting all the right buttons. Uh, I think this team is, you can tell just in these videos afterwards, they're like all for each other. I mean, they're just, you know, a tight-knit group now. Um, I'm going to go on the same prediction I kind of said before. I think we're going to go with Blues. I'm going with Blues in six. It's still not going to be an easy series. I think it's key they have to take one of the first two games in San Jose for sure. 100%. And then set the tone there and then take it back to St. Louis and hopefully take two of those and go from there. And I think they can, I still
1: think they can do it. So but I'm saying blues and six. I, I have a feeling that this is going to be a series much like the Winnipeg series. Um, I'm going to say blues and six as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: <coughs> I, think was, I have definitely a definitely chance to move on to their first Stanley cup finals since the third, third season in existence, which is 19, uh, I believe it was 1969, 70. I think it was the last time they
1: were there. So have you seen how many, Kings fans and other fans around the league are starting to get behind the blues.
0: Yeah. Our our buddy, Bobby has been advocating the blues uh, very, uh, very hard because he, he said, and a lot of Kings fans have said this, that this, the blues team reminds them of some of those Kings teams of the 2012 and 2014, where they played tight defensively, won the close games, shut teams down and grinded teams down. Uh, mind you that one King's team went 16 and two which is insane yeah but um that one the second Kings team had three game I believe it was three game sevens they had to win yep along the way uh, so I think there's definitely a chance that you know the blues had one had won one so far they won a game six so uh anytime they've had an elimination game so far too let's point out they are three 0 We've close the door yeah so they either close the door or they've come back so, um
1: did you see your boy and avid chicago blackhawk fan cm punk wearing uh blue for st louis on uh some talk show yesterday yeah
0: he was on an mma talk show and he said he was wearing blue to give props to blues because he's even on twitter he said i'm i'm picking dallas on this one which obviously i mean he's a he's a you know blackhawks fan and i think i retweeted him and said not today and then uh but he wore the Blues thing, and so he said he's just you know his props to the Blues winning, which is a cool, cool thing, man. So that was uh, I did see that the other day. So yesterday, I think it was. So that was really cool. So you said we will take the Blues in six. So we're gonna wrap it up with one. Uh, we we kind of talked about the Carolina series very really briefly a second ago, and it's still two to one, I believe. Oh, looking at that yeah, I believe so. Two to one, and going to the third period there. Carolina's at uh, Boston. So uh, real quickly, what do you think? How do you see the series shaking out?
1: you know what, my my heart wants Carolina to win because it's such a great story. I don't know if they're going to have what it takes to, you know, maybe steal a game here or there. I just think Boston, top to bottom, is too strong. Um, and I'm going to say probably Boston in six.
0: Yeah, I'm, I was saying Boston in seven. I think they have home ice. I think they're going to need every bit of it. I see. Like I said, I, see, I think... Uh... I thought because Carolina lost steal. at home yet. I'd have to do the research honestly. I want to. I don't they think they have. I think they and won they all. Swept, three, they swept the. They swept the last round
1: and they won all three games at home against the Capitals. I believe because they won Game Seven in uh in Washington. I think that mm-hmm. team might be five and zero oh at home.
0: Yeah, that I may mean, that building is loud too. I mean, uh, insane. So yeah, I want Boston. So I still think Boston, like you said, I think top to bottom, I think they're deeper. And I, I think uh the, the youthful exuberance of uh the Carolina, the bunch of jerks, as great of a story as it is. I mean Brilliant. I love same it way with you. My heart says I would love to see them go to the finals and just kinda make Don Cherry and all those other old dinosaurs talk about it to them even more. He still won't admit like it's like even he's like he won't admit how good they're playing. That's the thing is like I hate it.
1: Do you that. think he it. really feels that way, or do you feel like this oh, is no, a I throw
0: right? I, part of me thinks that, but part of me is like that dude has been like this for I mean he was like he was one of those guys where he thinks Canadian players should only be on Canadian teams.
1: Yeah, that's just dumb.
0: Yeah, so and he's like, anytime he, like he's a Russian player on a Canadian team, he always criticized him. So I, I, I don't think I think he legit is just an old guy who hasn't coached in thirty plus years and on any team and thinks he, he's just a TV personality just trying to make waves to a degree. But I think that's how he literally. I think it how he truly feels still. I do. But it is what it is. It's it's I mean, it's dumb, man. It's great. I don't well, care. A bunch of jerks thing is great. And they turned it into something which is even better And they made a ton of money off of it. Well, so, and then
1: you saw that they redid it because he doubled down after they swept the Islanders and called all the the fans, a bunch of front runners. So now they have shirts that says a bunch of front running jerks. Even
0: better. So as I said, man, just keep doing it. They're going to turn it around on you. So what's the
1: point? So the, the two things I wanted to bring up, cause I know you got stuff too, is did you see the latest Vegas odds, And then did you see the ESPN article today that is handicapping the Conn Smythe race? Uh, I did see you can do the Conn Smythe one. I do have
0: money puck pulled up. Okay. Which I was going to get to. So
1: ESPN today handicapped the race for the Conn Smythe, which is the MVP of the playoffs. And they did their top 10. At number 10, they have David Pasternak of the Boston Bruins, which is six goals and five assists. Number nine was Brent Burns, uh, just because he's got 14 points in 14 games. uh, Five goals, nine assists. He's playing at a point-of-game average. Number eight was Jacob Slavin of the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, Yet again, another defenseman with 11 points. Uh, Number seven, Brad Marchand, when he's not uh, licking people or stepping on people's sticks to break them. Uh, He's got 13 points, and he's leading the Bruins in scoring uh, number six is your first blue on the list, Jaden Schwartz. Mm-hmm. Just because, as we talked about before, it's a guy who had eleven goals all season, who's already got eight in the playoffs. <clears throat> number five is Logan Couture from the Sharks. Uh, just because he has been leading you know, the league right now in scoring. So, yes. Uh, number four is uh, Tervo. I was Tavo Tervoine
0: Tavo Teravinen.
1: Thank you. Um, you know, he is the heart and soul of the Hurricanes as much as Sebastian Ajo has, has been the star. This guy has just been chugging along. Uh, and then your top three in the medal category, uh, bronze medal, Jordan Bennington. Obviously, we don't need to talk about what he's done, we're all very versed. Uh, number two is Thomas Hurdle or Tomas Hurdle, if you want to be correct, or Ninja uh, Hurdle. Cr- um, no, and not <laughs> that guy. Um, okay just because he's been on fire, you know, he's got 14 points, eight goals. He's scoring timely goals too. And then number one is Tuka Rask from the Boston. Who has been been a stud. So that is ESPN's handicap through the first two rounds of the race for the NHL playoff MVP. Yeah. So right
0: now they, for the, we'll do money puck. So that's kind of like a website, moneypuck.com where it kind of gives you Percentages for teams to win the cup, make the finals, sweep round three, win it in five, six, or seven. So the Blues right now have the second best chance to win the cup at 25.7%. The Carolina Hurricanes are at the best at 29.9. Boston is 24.8, and San Jose is at the bottom at 19.6. <laughs> they picked the Blues to move on to make the finals at 53%, 53.7 to be technical, to sweep round one, 7%, win it in five, 137 uh win it in 6 uh, 16.1 and to win it in 7 is 16.8 so the blues have you know slightly better than 50-50 chance to move on to the finals i'm trying and-
1: to find where the vegas odds were because the actual vegas booking odds right now the favorite to win the Stanley Cup was the boston bruins and I think, uh, I think we were number five three. to four. Yes. Yeah. Uh, San Jose was number two, and I think fourteen to two odds. Yeah, I think we we're uh,
0: eight to one. I want to say I the think Blue, I Well, 10.
1: no, the Blues were right below at uh, eleven to one, okay. and then a distant fourth was Carolina. Uh, but really, the Sharks and the Blues were basically a coin flip. Yeah. Uh, so it was Boston ahead of the pack. Uh sharks and blues in that order at a coin flip, and then a distant fourth was Carolina.
0: Yeah, so it's really interesting um uh, kind of see how well the blues think they're gonna do. <coughs> we'll see what happens. So the blues start on Saturday and move on and every other pretty much every other day after that. So yep. Saturday, Monday, Wednesday. Unfortunately, Chris will miss game four, being out of time. I will, I will. Yeah. So if you anybody wants game four tickets, uh, hit Chris up on Twitter.
1: They're available right it. now. They're available Maybe. on Ticketmaster, Section One Twenty Two, Row G, there
0: you Seats go. So Five and Six. There you go, really good seats. So the Blues uh, defend twice. Yep. So, um, so one final thing, which we never got to because we had our little lull where we where we both kind of missed each other and didn't get to record a podcast. When all these got announced, we never did our awards finalists. We kind of think I mentioned one because they got announced every day. So I'm going to just run through because the Blues actually had some award finalists in the top three. Believe it or not, this usually yes. never happens or very rarely happens. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly is in the top three for the Selkie Trophy for best defensive forward, along with Patrice Bergeron and Mark Stone. Um, He has a chance for it. Uh, Mark, I I I think that's going to go to Mark Stone. Patrice Bergeron was hurt most of the year, but he gets the, like, that's, he's just known for that. So I think he got the votes because of that. Yep. The Lady Bing Award, which is the most gentlemanly player. uh, Alexander Barkov, Barkov, Sean Monaghan, and Ryan O'Reilly. So I R- think has win. So O'Reilly might win that one, he, even though he had six penalty minutes this year or eight penalty minutes this year. Uh, Masteron Trophy, which is his, for Robert Lanier to lose due t- with his uh, comeback from his mental health issues and other issues that he had. Uh, Nick Fogliano and Joe Thornton was also nominated as well. Best goaltender, Ben Bishop, Robin Lanier, and Andre Vasilevsky. Uh, I don't know. That's a toss-up to me, honestly. I think it's Vashlevsky but I usually could see Bishop or even there winning it because they're all pretty dead even, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Best defenseman, the Norris Trophy, that's Victor Hedman, Mark Giordano, and Brent Burns. I, I, pick, okay. uh, I think it's – I'm picking Giordano, honestly. I think he did really well with Calgary. Yeah, he's my – he's my for,
1: upset, the, I guess The league say. is in love with Brent Burns, and I think – you know, there for a while, it was always Drew Doughty. I think mm-hmm. now, in, until the next guy comes along, it's always going to be Brent Burns. Yeah,
0: and so the King Clancy Award, for that's a Morrow Trophy. Uh, Henry Lundquist, Al Van Larson, and Jason Zucker. I think that's uh, Lundquist. Yep. Uh, Mark Messier Leadership Award, Mark Giardano, Wayne Simmons, and Justin Williams. Uh, if that's based on playoffs, I think that I have to get to Justin Williams. Oh, for sure. Uh, Jack Adams. So the Blues have another nominee here, Craig Berube, John Cooper, and Barry Trotz. I, I um, think
1: it's either Berube
0: or Trotz. Yeah, I think John Cooper, even though he – had the team win almost record tying games. I think what Trotz did turning around from being the worst defensive team to the best defensive team. And then Barube turning a team around that was in last place to being it's the nominees are up until the end of the season. It doesn't include playoff. What happens in the playoffs? So like you can't say, well, Cooper got out in the first round and Barube is still there and Trotz is already out. So you have to go by that. So I think uh, Brube is going to, probably lose out but still very cool for him to get nominated
1: I'm not taking anything away from what Cooper did but that team was stacked to begin with Mm -hmm. um I think like you said the 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 job of what Barry Trotz did with a team that lost everything in the offseason and then what what Craig Berube did here in St. Louis are just they're too overpowering of stories for Cooper to overcome I think it's really a two-man race
0: and then another blue is nominated, which we all were hoping this happened. Uh, we didn't know if he would squeak in due to the amount of games played, but he got in. So the Calder Trophy for Best Rookie, Jordan Bennington, gets nominated along with Rasmus <laughs> Dahling and Elias Pettersson. A lot of Dallas fans were upset at Heisken and not getting this award, and I was kind of like, you know, he hasn't done crap. Watching him in the second round, he's going to be really good. He's going to be real good. Yeah. Um, I, I think he kind of faded in the last couple games. Yep. But, man, he was pretty dynamic the first uh, five. So I really think he's going to be a good player. But I think Jordan Bennington, when you think, um, he's, I think he's going to finish second. I think I think Patterson had a better – I think he was played more, you know, got hurt. I think he still had played most of the season. Bennington only having 30-ish games I think is unfortunately going to hurt him. Here's um, the thing.
1: I, I agree with you, and I have said that for the longest time until recently. I think the way Bennington came onto the scene – and because he hasn't had a lull, and because he has just been so damn consistent, I think he is top of mind right now. And, and I wish it included
0: playoffs, because it included playoffs, he would definitely win Oh, right
1: dude, now. yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll, I'll tell you right now, and I'm knocking on wood, should, God willing, the Blues win the Stanley Cup, he wins the MVP, hands down. Mm-hmm. He's your consummate, the award winner. I think... Jordan Bennington has a chance to win this Culver Trophy.
0: Oh, he has a chance. I'm 100%. I 100% agree with you. I think he does too.
1: If it's not Pedersen, it's Bennington. Yeah. I, I think Rasmus Dahlin is a distant third. Yeah,
0: I think he had a good season, but compared to the other two guys, I don't think so, in my personal opinion. so I agree. But we'll see what happens. So... We're gonna wrap it up there. So the Blues start their Western Conference finals, their second one since 2016. So it's nice to see them back in it, man. I just I'll say this like Ooh, I long... don't know what
1: has happened, but all of a sudden out of nowhere it is three to two Boston with sixteen oh. minutes left.
0: Oh wow, so that's what we get for uh, talking. So May Boston, like I said, we I truly think Boston is really good, and I think eventually they're gonna overwhelm uh Carolina, unfortunately.
1: Joe Hanson at the two twenty-six mark at the third. And then thirty seconds later, Patrice Bergeron gives him the lead, three to two Boston. Hmm, interesting. So
0: really interesting what happens there. So anyway, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, if you get a hold of us on Twitter, it's at Blues Hockey NHL and Chris is at, at Hossapalooza. And if you get a hold of us, you can I said Twitter, and you also have Facebook, Blues Hockey Podcast, along with Instagram. Speaking of Instagram, don't we're going to still open the blues are in the playoffs. So guess what? Our contest is still out there and we still have a lot more people can easily win a blues hockey podcast shirt along with some blues uh, beer sign glasses. So go to find the post on Instagram. Make sure you're following us on Instagram and just comment with somebody who would you like to share a drink with with these drinking glasses? Really simple. And you're entered to win. So once the blues are hopefully no longer in the playoffs, hopefully that's mid-June will uh, draw a winner. So make sure you go out and enter there. And then, if you want to listen to the podcast, you can find us on Apple, Apple Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and blueshockeypodcast.com dot com and dot net. So that is all I think we have there. Check, 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 and we're good to go. So are you? Uh, are you all set for round three? I am. I you know. I'm and the weird thing is like you don't have to like I said going to game seven. I had this weird like pit in my stomach, like you're just nervous. But you know like. Like you said, it was like it's house money to agree. Yeah. And you're, I kind of said since this whole thing started back in mid-January and they had this 11-game win streak, I was kind of like, man, I'm just going to – like the rest of the season, I'm still going to have that nervousness or whatever, but I'm just going to enjoy the ride because like – Just enjoy the ride. That's, that's all I can say to fans, just like, you know, gosh, when the whole booing thing happened and stuff and that just like, you know, just like whatever, man, just, just ride it out because this team – I, that weird when in the third period, even the 2016 team, you always felt like, man, this is not going to end well. I kind of always had that feeling. This team, I don't have that yet. I truly don't. Every time they're in a game, like, there's been very few games where I'm like, this one's over. And I think yeah. the only game I've really had so far was that game three. Game three in Winnipeg. Outside yeah, that was a maybe, bad one. Maybe another game in da- the Dallas series. I can't talk time my head. But still, every game they, they're in, I really think they can – I don't think they're truly out. You know, like I always think they're like, they can easily come, not easily come back, but they can come back. And I'm the one texting with friends saying that I'm, oh, I'm not worried. Like, it'll be okay. Like they're still working. They're still cycling well, they're still doing this. That's why I think this team is built to do something special. Possibly. I hope they can. can. We'll Well, leave it at that. I got
1: myself ready. I've got all my, uh, all my stuff packed. I got my new Jersey for this round. I finally got a Chris Pronger Jersey. Um, Nice. I went and restocked on cookies for Maggie. So she's ready with seven more cookies and they even did them home and away this year. So for this round, so she's got four white cookies and three blue white or three blue jerseys. So we will, uh, we will be giving them accordingly throughout the round. Yeah. So hopefully
0: uh, we can pull it out. So we'll uh, we'll come back to you hopefully in a week ish. Well, Chris is out of town next week. So we might have a special guest next week, depending on Chris's availability. So we'll see how things go. So until then, hopefully we'll come back and we're uh, talking about some, uh, his some history. So we'll talk wow. to you guys next
1: time. Here's open to, to dare to dream the dream. Exactly. See you guys. See ya. Here's okay. your answer. Here's your answer. What's your answer.